Hey everybody, geeks and geekettes, this is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrex. Coming from the future, I had to time travel for this. I just want to apologize that there was a mistake purely on my part in uploading episode 244 of Geekville Radio. Somehow the communications got messed up between myself and the Geekville Radio studios, and I somehow managed to re-up the... Godzilla King of the Monsters review and summary from a few months back where I reviewed Godzilla King of the Monsters and then pointed out a lot of the similarities and a lot of the Easter eggs that were in that movie. So if you happen to listen to episode 244 and wonder if it sounded familiar, well, that's why. So I went back in time, corrected the error, and now you will get the proper episode 244 And we will be coming out soon with episode 245, which is going to talk a lot of the breaking news regarding Kevin Feige and Star Wars and Spider-Man and all that fun stuff. But I had to right the wrong. I had to travel back in time to get this show on correctly. So without further ado, the actual episode 244 of Geekville Radio. Enjoy. Geekville Radio. Hello once again, other geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. A little bit of a different show this time around. I'm going to cover my experiences at the Wizard World Chicago Comic-Con. Wizard World Chicago took place in the last weekend of August. The same weekend as Disney's D23 Expo, but I'm sure that is just coincidence. Several celebrities participated in panels and Q&A sessions, which is what I'm going to go over here. There really wasn't that much news, so to speak, like any sort of breaking news that came out of it, but the panels were very entertaining and very informative. I got sound clips from Jeff Goldblum, which is definitely a name I never would have thought I'd be using in my podcast career. I also have clips from Kevin Conroy Dean Cain, who, of course, was Superman in the 90s for Lois and Clark. Teddy Sears, Matt Ryan, and Kelly Hu, because they were on a panel for Arrowverse. And just a lot of fun to be had. Like I said, not much in the way of breaking news, but there are some questions that you will hear that might be the type of question you might have asked, if not to a celebrity, something you might have wondered about yourself. Now, the first clip, a couple of clips, was at the Jeff Goldblum Q&A was mainly to promote his upcoming National Geographic show, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which I'm sure has a lot of people, including myself, at Hello. And the first clip is him talking about the Marvel movies, because of course he was part of Thor Ragnarok, and the overall appeal of the Marvel MCU. I don't know, I can't say. I've said too much already. I'm saying too much, but... Yesterday he was there because he was talking about things. He was going to direct this next one, and they announced some people who were in it. Um, I can't say whether I may or may not be in it, 
I hope I am. But, you know, who, who knows what happens? But I love to do anything that Tiger White TV does. And those people at Marvel are really good. They make good, popular, interesting movies, but good movies. And Kevin Feige and Louis Esposito, they're very good out there. They, they know how to make good movies. So who knows if I'll be in it? Say you seem to know an awful lot about it for some reason. I'll leave it at that. So there you go, Jeff Goldblum hinting, or maybe not hinting, that he is going to be in Thor: Love and Thunder. This next clip, he's playing a game. Never have I ever. It's just funny how he does this because it is a perfect example of Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. I like that game. I've never, never have I ever. That is pretty funny, you know, Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum because he talks about how many points he gets. Apparently nobody else can get any points, you know, only him. The last clip that I have of Jeff Goldblum I used because he talks about one of my favorite Jeff Goldblum movies in an all-star cast. It's really worth going out of your way to see if you haven't already. It's from 1984, I want to say. Also had a comic series and all that. It's The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. And just listen to some of the names he says in here. Wow. John Lithgow, I've remained pals with him. Peter Weller, Dr. Bunsen himself, and I started that band. The band is really because he and I started playing together at my house, and we were developing a band. Ellen Barton, I love Ellen Barton. Like everybody's in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did another movie there called Bad Dog Time, or Trigger Happy Anyway. That part's not bad. Chris Lloyd. Chris Lloyd. That's the guy on the big bouquet. He and I are both born on October 22nd. Interest of trivial interest to no one. Let's see. Also, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a lovely movie. D.W. Richter. W.D. Richter. D.W.W.D. Richter. Directed around that work around Toronto. They had others up their sleeves, but it doesn't mean that it's done more business. They would have made more. Um, and that's it. Guess what? When I go to Toronto tomorrow, you told me. See, Peter. Peter Weller is going to be there. I run into him here and there, but uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing. Do you have any message you want me to pass on to, to Peter Weller? Moving on, I got some sound clips here from Kevin Conroy, obviously best known for being Batman for the last almost 30 years. And somebody did ask him a question about doing the voice for a cartoon or animated film as opposed to the video games. Because, you know, the Arkham series is not just a series of great Batman games. It's just a series of great games, period. So here's Kevin Conroy talking about doing Batman for TV as opposed to video games. You've touched on a really interesting thing. When you do the game, when you do the shows, as I was saying before, the, the actors are the first stage. So you're in a room 
uh, recording studio with six or seven or eight other actors. And when Andrea Romano was casting it, they're wonderful actors. You're in there with Mark Hamill or Roddy McDowell or Ron Perlman, you know, and you just Tara Strong, really wonderful actors. And acting is about reacting. If someone gives you something, you're going to give them that much better back. You know, it's like playing ball. So the, the room is just so alive with, with energy and performance. It's exciting to be in a room like that and work. And in two hours, you do a half an hour show. And those two hours fly by. It's amazing how fast they go by. And um, Andrea, after the first season of Batman the Animated Series back in 92, she said, I can get any actor I want in Hollywood to come into the show because word is out that we have such a great show. We have such a good time going on over here. Everyone wanted to come in because everyone heard there's this great thing going on over Warner Brothers. Then those are sent off to the artists. Well, the games, because of the way a game is built, you know, depending on the way you play it, you go down a different rabbit hole. You know, if you make this choice instead of that choice, or that, that'll lead to another choice, and that leads to another choice. So all those variables are in the computer. And all of those takes for each individual line have to be completely clean and completely separate. So you have to be alone in a booth to record a game. You can't do it as a group. So... Um, Arkham Knight, for example, third I was alone in a booth from 8 to 12, then I'd get an hour for lunch, and then from 1 to 5, so it's an 8-hour day alone. And you're keeping the character alive in your head. You're trying to keep the Batman alive in your head. You're keeping the Batman voice alive. You're trying not to lose your own voice by doing this voice for four hours straight. And then you're in your imagination. They're saying, okay, now the, the Joker's running after you with a knife and you're saying, get out. Get out! Uh, okay, that's great. Give us three takes. Get out! Get out! Get out! Great. Now do that perfect. Do it with a little irony. <laughs> get out! Get out! Louder! Get out! Great, keep the irony and give it a little smile. <laughs> get out! And by the end of the week, you're kind of going, whoa, get out! You know, you're not even the character anymore. And you're still trying to keep it at that. And that's just get out. That's just that one line. Arkham Knight had 37,000 lines. 37,000 lines. Because depending on where you're playing it, that's where you're going. Each one of those lines had take after take after take after take. Now with a smile, now with some irony, now with some anger, now like your mother's running after you with a rolling pin. <laughs> Everything they can imagine, they're throwing at you. And that's something I personally never really thought about to that extent, but I'm sure a lot of people have, just how much more recording there is for a video game than TV or animation. There's all those different ways you can go in a video game. The next quote is a very touching story. This is one of those things I had to share it when I heard it because it's one of those cases of how people who celebrities and actors have never met, how they can learn, how they've touched people's lives no matter 
how young or how old or where they live and such. It's just a very heartwarming story here. I, I can't really do it justice by building it up, so I'll just play it. And just then, this guy comes running down from the audience, waving something like this, and my handler's pushing me, pushing me. And I went, but there's a guy, there's a guy there. She said, no, 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 you got to go. I said, well, just wait one second. And I went over to get what he was giving, and he pushed something in my hand, a letter, and he grabbed me, and he started going like this. And I realized he was deaf. And he called over to his interpreter, and his, his interpreter said, oh, he wants you to have this letter because... Uh, Batman saved his life. You saved his life. And I said, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm the voice of the character. <laughs> and he can't hear. So how can I be the one that means something to him? But he just really, it was such a profound moment. And I got back to my hotel room and I read the letter. And my God, he hadn't been born deaf. He lost his hearing when he was five years old, six years old, to an infection. And the last things he remembers hearing were the Batman cartoons. And he, he was being told he had to um, get through this illness in the hospital. And Batman was always telling people to struggle on, to fight on, to never give up, to never, never, never give up. And he kept hearing that. And the last thing he heard was, am I blue? <laughs> It was just heartbreaking, and it was so amazing to me. And he said, and now, the end of the letter was, and now I get to watch your shows with my six-year-old son. Not only had he survived, but he, he triumphed. He has a family now, you know what I mean? And he's sharing it with his children. Like I said, a very heartwarming story from Kevin Conroy there. Another panel Kevin Conroy did was alongside... Dean Kane, who, like I already said, was Superman in the 90s for the Lois and Clark series. And somebody asked him about playing Bruce Wayne or potentially Batman in a live action production. Uh, <laughs> it's a little, I don't know, it's a little intimidating. I don't know. I mean, I started out in the theater in New York, you know, and then I did on camera television and, and then I sort of stumbled into voice work. Batman was the first animated character I ever auditioned for. And that was in 91. How'd it go? I'm still playing. <laughs> I still got the game. I got the game. You know, I got the game. But um, I haven't done anything on camera. Uh, anything of any, you know, anything really. Uh, since like 90, the late 90s. Um, so, a little intimidating. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like. I'll just approach it as I do any other character. And a little bit later, somebody in the audience asked about Batman Beyond. And I've said before that I wanted to hate Batman Beyond when it came out, just because it felt like a reboot and it just seemed like a weird take on a classic character. But I started watching it, and after two or three episodes, I was hooked. And getting back to what Conroy was saying about playing Bruce Wayne live-action, this is what he came back to when talking about Batman Beyond. Oh, yeah, of course, in a heartbeat. I I kind of suspect, I mean, I don't know, because I haven't seen the script, but I kind of suspect from what they're talking about, me doing in this, is going to be very much like the older Bruce Wayne that I did in uh, Batman Beyond. I think think that's the concept of what the character's going to be, but I don't know. 
How was it uh, voicing both? Um... So we don't know for sure, but it is possible. Even Kevin Conroy himself thinks that whatever Bruce Wayne he plays may be at least inspired by Batman Beyond. And I had talked about it with Train before in a previous episode that maybe Kevin Conroy being the Kingdom Come Batman, you know, or possibly even maybe playing the Batman that's in the 1960s series, because, of course, Burt Ward is also going to be in that Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. I think in this next clip, Kevin Conroy has answered this question a million times, but somebody did ask him, because it probably gets asked at conventions all the time. Obviously, Mark Hamill's been the Joker for just as long as Kevin Conroy's been Batman. So inevitably, people will ask him what it's like to work with Mark Hamill, and this is what he had to say. Oh, Mark, Mark. He is... You, you can back me up. There are, they're, they're all, actors are people. There are kind ones. There are selfish ones. There are generous ones. There are mean ones. There are ones you want to work with, and there are ones you want to run away from. You know what I mean? There's people. Mark is one of those giving, generous, 100% on your side actors. There's a certain amount of uh, jealousy or competitiveness among most actors. There's not an ounce of it with Mark. He loves watching other actors work, genuinely. This is Mark in a recording studio. I'm not exaggerating. I saw him do this, watching another actor perform. (laughs) He looked like a five-year-old looking at a candy window. I looked over him and I burst out laughing so hard they had to stop the recording. They said, Kevin, you ruined the tape. I said, look at Mark's face. How could you not ruin the day? And the last Kevin Conroy clip I have here may quite frankly be the best one because he talks about Batman and Superman and superheroes and how they can relate to classic mythology with superheroes kind of being the modern day myth. So if you ever need to explain to somebody why comics can be so much fun and so captivating... Have him check out this clip of Kevin Conroy talking about superheroes. This is our mythology. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, they're Clytemnestra, Agamemnon, Orestes, Electra. The Greeks and the Romans had those great classic stories to tell their children the right between the difference between right and wrong. That's what the myths were. I started my career out playing uh, Achilles and Orestes. I did the whole Aristia. I know the Greek stories. As soon as I saw Batman, I said, well, this is Hamlet. This is Orestes. This is a classic story. This is what Joseph Campbell talked about in The Power of Men, as that arc of the hero that has gone through, whether it's ancient Rome, ancient Greece, the American Indians, the African tribes, they all told the story of the, the hero who is challenged by fire, rises like a phoenix, and triumphs over uh, adversity. Uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, they are our version of that. So there was never a sense at Warner Brothers, among the people I worked with, of talking down to the material or talking down to the audience, which is why this stuff still looks so good when you see it now. They're great stories. They're mythology. I just love that summary, you know, the modern-day myth, you know, the modern-day mythological characters and situations and such, so... Also in that panel, like I said before, was Dean Cain, and he gave advice on 
playing Superman or when people came to him for advice. And there's a name you're going to recognize here because it fits in perfectly with the timeline, with this being the early to mid-90s. When I, when I was doing, uh, when I was in the middle of doing Lois Clark, Nicholas Cage was about to play a version of Superman. So I got a call. Oh, is that a popular one? I got a call from Nick's people. And they said, Nick, Boy, you really screwed him. I told him exactly what to do. I got, I got a call, and it was Nick's guys going, hey, Nick wants to talk to you about the character and so on and so forth, and, uh, but they never called. So, so it's not my fault. I was Sometimes I think I'm vastly in the minority of thinking Nicolas Cage probably would have been a good Superman because he's deceptively big and we know he's got the acting chops. So if so, if I'm in the minority, so be it. I mean, I also felt that Heath Ledger was going to make a great Joker and that Ben Affleck was going to be a great Batman. And those turned out to be true. So not saying I'm purely vindicated or anything like that. I'm just saying that some actors surprise you because, of course, actors act to please directors. Another kind of inevitable question that somebody like Dean Cain will be asked is like favorite memories or favorite stories or favorite scenes and such. So this is Dean Cain talking about the good times he had during the filming of Lois and Clark. Uh, you know what? When you're shooting a playing a character for four years... There's so many moments and so many times where you are doing things. There were so many things that were created in the show, moments I thought were pretty special. I don't know if it was necessarily my thumbprint that did it. Uh, I thought the fact that the Ma and Pa Kent were such a big part of him and his life, it was really cool to see that the you know, Ma made him his suit and there was that whole bit with trying on the suits and keeping his anonymity and being able to talk to his father, having Jonathan Kent alive was great. But I don't feel like that was necessarily my thumbprint. In that sense, um, you know, anytime you play a character for four years, there's parts of you that are going to come out. And obviously, I was an athlete, and I like doing the athletic things. That was a lot of fun. Um, but, I, you know, if I look at iconic moments for the show, to me, the best part of the show was, was I, I still love it. It's my favorite moment is when Clark asks Lois to marry him, and she says, who's asking Clark for Superman? I just think that moment really is the show and was so much about what the show was about. In that sense, you know, that's... That, uh, the whole show put its thumbprint you know, on, the, on the character. I agree. Thank you. Yeah. Another inevitable question I'm sure he gets all the time is about Henry Cavill. And I've said over and over that I think Henry Cavill does have a genuinely good Superman movie in him. And I like Man of Steel, but I've said it before, so I'll be brief, that Superman was too dark, a little too brooding in those movies. And that's not on Henry Cavill. That's on... Zack Snyder, that's on the director, because again, actors act to please directors. So here is Dean Cain talking about seeing Man of Steel or Batman and versus Superman and how Cable handled the character. Henry's great. Henry Cavill's a great guy, great actor, uh, a really super nice guy. I don't mean to know on there, but uh, uh, his version, the version of you know Zack Snyder's world of, Bat- of uh, Superman is very, very dark. Incarnation and the, the, you know the Superman's biggest weakness is his goodness, and it kind of didn't exist. There was a lot of uh, angst and things like that going on. It was really kind of Batman's world that 
that that's that that his character Superman was was inhabiting. So it wasn't my favorite incarnation, and it's not due to Henry. It's just due to my preference for Superman being a, a character of, of hope and light, and and the idea, you know, when they're fighting and he's throwing the guy through, they're going through buildings. All I was thinking was, how many people are dying in those buildings, and Superman would give his life for any one of them. So it was a weird thing for me, and and, and then of course uh, Batman vs Superman, my son watching with me. He, we, when it was over, he was so angry. I was like, did you, did you like it? He's like, no, it's terrible. Superman died. I'm like, that's my boy. I think Henry Henry did a great job. Uh, It's just a different incarnation for sure, and 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 honestly, not my favorite incarnation. My my favorite still is Christopher Reeve. And it is interesting that Dean Cain brought up Christopher Reeve because Kevin Conroy actually knew Christopher Reeve which I I certainly didn't know. I don't know how many people truly did know that, but it is a fun fact. And here's Kevin Conroy talking about Christopher Reeve. I was at Juilliard with Christopher. Wow. I was 17. I left high school early to go into Juilliard, and he came in after a few years of college. So he came in as a third-year student, and I was just this stumbling idiot. And um, uh, he was so kind. He was so genuinely kind. He was a good guy. He never made me feel like the stumbling idiot that I was. Uh, He was just a very, very generous guy. And he remained that way throughout his career. After he took off and he was doing Superman, he would, you know, still come back to New York and campaign to have theaters not be torn down. You know, he would be standing in front of the bulldozers. Dozers, don't tear this theater down. He just, he, he was a decent, decent, decent good guy. He's a good guy. Anyway, um, what did you guys both think of the first Superman with Reeves when it came out? Do you remember seeing it in the theater? I remember it clear as day. Yeah, I remember it clearly. I thought uh, that's when I believed the man would fly. I was like, "Yep, there it is." <laughs> I thought, "Man, he went to the gym a lot." <laughs> he did not look like that at Juilliard. <laughs> now, the last panel we're going to hear from is the Arrowverse panel, and the panelists were Kelly Hu, Teddy Sears, and Matt Ryan. Now, granted, Matt Ryan and Teddy Sears were more of the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, but Kelly Hu was on Arrow, so I guess that's three shows that have representation here. And Teddy Sears asks about Zoom and Jay Garrick, because, of course, spoiler alert, in Season 2, Teddy Sears, a.k.a. Jay Garrick, in quotes, so you could say, being Zoom and how he started out the good guy and then ended out the season as the bad guy. How much of this did he know? That's a very, very good question. Uh, I knew that it was that it was going to happen. Yes, uh, I was told before we started um, filming that here's here's the the idea for the season. You're going to be this, and then then you won't be right. And so, uh, but what happened is I began to to shoot all my stuff as Jay Garrick, and I, I loved it, and I loved it so much, and a, a, a lot of time went by that I, I convinced myself that the writers had changed their mind, because they hadn't, they hadn't talked to me about it in a while, and that um, I, I, I was going to be this, you know, this character as Jay for the whole season, and then a few months went by, and I remember opening a script and, and seeing, okay, 
like, uh, yes, that, that it, it's going to happen. Like they said, I was disappointed. But then when I began to play Zoom, I, I was very excited. One, because he was so different than playing Jay. Jay is so much closer to me as a person, so that was easier for me to sort of do. And Zoom was so different, and it was very scary. So the, the, that's a long answer, but to say I knew it was coming, I was kind of hoping it wasn't, but once it did, it was, um, it was a great gift. Yeah, it was awesome. Now, Matt Ryan was asked, and again, I'm sure it's something he's answered several times before, but here's Matt Ryan talking about playing Constantine and what he used for inspiration. Yeah, I, I think it's funny. With, with, with Constantine, you know, there was the, the, the Keanu Reeves movie, and then, um, I, I, and I'd watched the movie years and years ago, but I hadn't really, uh, when, when the role came around, I didn't, I didn't go back and rewatch the movie. I wanted to just go straight to the comics and, you know, take from the comics and kind of try and be as true to the DNA of the comics and the character as, as, as I could. But, you know, ultimately you bring a bit of yourself anyway, even if you're trying to copy someone. It's like, you know, which, you know there's, there's a bit of you in there anyway. And I think that, um, I, and that's, that's what's exciting, I think, when people cast, you know, the different people, look at the different Batmans, you know, that they all bring a, a certain something certain element which the others don't have for good or bad reasons but you know it's uh, it's always exciting I think when when you when you get a character that's that's hugely popular and nerve-wracking as well because you're like you want to do it justice but at the same time you want to bring a bit of yourself to it so for me I just like stuck tried to stick as close as I could to the comic box and even now when I'm on set I've got I've got one of the one of the issues in my back pocket and I'm always reading it and stuff that's good trying to keep my head in it, you know? yeah so there you have it, several sound bites, but a lot of fun to be had. That's the type of stuff that I really enjoy about Comic-Cons, which is panels and, you know, and the Q&As and such. Because, you know, the swag is good, being around other geeky brethren, so to speak, cosplayers and such. That's always going to be fun. But there's always something to me special about the panels and such and the Q&A because it gets you into the heads a little bit of the creators and the artists and such like that so a little bit different of an episode this time around for geekville radio we'll be back to a more regular format next time for episode 245 we're coming up on episode 250 and we got some stuff lined up for that because it's a milestone and i hope you all be there to listen to it when it's released and if you want to contact us or contact me if you go to geekvilleradio.com there is a comment section for all the posts. You can use the social media platform of your choosing to reply and ask questions and such. The social media is Geekville Radio at Facebook and on Twitter. And if you're listening to us for the first time, first off, welcome. Like I said, it's a different show than usual. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, just about anywhere great podcasts can be found you can find the Geekville Radio podcast family. So let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there's anything we can do better. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show. So don't be a stranger. Let us know. So with that, we're going to shut off the lights here in the Geekville Radio studios. We'll talk to you folks again next week. A lot of fun stuff to come up in 2019 and upcoming into 2020. So there's a lot more fun to be had. This is Geekville Radio, and we will talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. 
The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.